0: We want to make sure you know more about our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are dedicated to health and wellness, and part of that is making sure that our metabolisms are working efficiently. Lots of messaging about weight loss tells us that we should just be exercising more and eating less, but what if you feel like your metabolism is broken? Senya focuses on balancing your body and repairing your metabolism, which means that weight loss feels effortless again. After more than a decade of working with patients on their digestion and metabolism, the Healing Insight team developed a proprietary acupuncture method for weight loss, one that nobody else in the country is using. Their holistic metabolic acupuncture programs combine specialty acupuncture techniques with herbal medicine to repair your metabolism, restore your energy and digestion, and stimulate your fat cells to burn more efficiently. So my mom, Susie, went to Senya for help before my sister's wedding and raves about this program. She says, not only did I lose those extra pounds that had crept up, but my energy level was off the charts. I love feeling balanced. Stop the ups and downs and visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn about healing your metabolism and all of the other women's health treatments available. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Marjorie, I am beside myself with joy about <laughs> today's topic because we are talking about carbohydrates, which are everyone's friend, particularly oh. in a pandemic. And we're going even deeper into that. And we are discussing something that has been mentioned on this podcast many times, which is sourdough bread baking. <laughs> yes. And this is,
3: this is like the salvation of the pandemic, I think. I mean, the amount of people that are trying things they've never tried before. Bread baking, number one, but sourdough is a whole new level.
0: In particular, yes, it is. And our guest today is an expert, but before we introduce her, I want to tell you, um, a couple of things about why bread baking became so hot in the quarantine. And um, I found a piece on Huffington Post that was talking about the pandemic and why everyone was latching on to baking. It started really because it became this panic that we can't find certain things in the grocery store, right? Right. And so it was, oh my gosh, if we can't find bread... We need to make it ourselves. And then there was a run on flour and then you couldn't find yeast. And so why people started doing sourdough is because sourdough is a method of baking bread that doesn't require commercial yeast. You create your own leavener in a sense is essentially how it works. And so people started getting into sourdough. But then this Huffington Post piece has an interesting analysis because A lot of the things that it lists as sort of the positives were the things that I found too, that bread baking gives people a sense of control. Oh, I love that. that. it's fulfilling and it's relaxing and it gives you roots, that bread, there's something about baking bread and breaking bread that is really primal to us as humans and to us as beings who crave community, which is what we crave, and that in every single heritage, across the world there is a history of bread baking and that is how people have survived, which is why I always kind of laugh when we've got like this constant anti grain movement going on. And I'm like,
3: people <laughs> You're really they're really grains, fighting grains. Yeah. They're fighting centuries fighting and are. centuries of human behavior. Bread baking yes. though, I think too just fundamentally, and I'm sure it mentions it in, in the article. And I do I have baked bread and I do enjoy baking bread. For me, it's it's the smell. It's how it fills up your house with that smell. I love that more than anything. And, you know, during the pandemic, when there was a run on yeast, I was sending yeast to my son because I could get it in Kansas and he couldn't get it in Chicago.
1: And I was sending it up
3: to Chicago so that he and my mom could bake bread together. So it was it was such a weird time of trying to find flour, trying to find yeast. I was buying flour in packages that the grocery store was making itself.
0: Yes. It was so strange.
3: Yeah, it was so strange. Because
0: they were just getting it in
3: bulk yep. and packaging it up, yep, right? Yep. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, but. that's fascinating.
0: So I started baking sourdough. I actually got going right before the pandemic hit. I'd ordered a little kit that helps you make a sourdough starter and then got it going just as we were starting to be on lockdown. Right. And part of my inspiration was um, the woman behind the blog that I love <laughs> called Heartbeat Kitchen. Oh. And Amanda Pa is the voice and the creator and the photographer and the recipe developer behind this blog. And I've known Amanda for years and we have been pals for years and I have just loved seeing her sourdough evolution. And so I have often referred to her on this podcast and in every aspect of my life as my sourdough guru, because there was a point when I was DMing her so much on Instagram that I was apologizing for the excess communication and saying, if you want to tell me to stop, you can, but please don't because I need you.
3: Right. So really, you can't stop. Really.
0: So really, you can't stop. And so I am just beside myself with joy to have Amanda here with us today on Best to the Nest to talk about sourdough. Amanda, we're so happy you're here. Hi, it's
2: so good to be here. Good also morning. talking about one of my favorite things as sourdough. Favorite. Yes.
3: I, I just, oh my gosh. I just love that in the introduction, she talks about your sourdough evolution. Yes. I mean... <laughs> yes. That's the thing. thing? Because
0: when Amanda and I first met, she wasn't baking sourdough. I mean, you were blogging and you were creating all sorts of wonderful recipes, but sourdough wasn't really part of the repertoire. So what happened So I
2: mean, (laughs) what happened, right? How did you get this? How did you get this affliction? heartbeat kitchen. So my blog, um, started with, you know, developing gluten-free recipes because I have a gluten sensitivity 10 years ago. And you know, about three, years ago, actually, a good friend of mine baked sourdough. And she was like, I'd love to bake Brian, my husband, a loaf of sourdough so he can enjoy it because I know he doesn't get all the gluten-filled treats. And I was like, that'd be wonderful. And she's (laughs) like, maybe you should just try a piece because I've heard that people who are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant can eat sourdough. And um, she brought over the loaf and like Marjorie said, the smell of it. I was just like, Mm. Oh my God. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try a piece. I know what this, you know, I know what gluten does to me. And for me, it's not my stomach. It's a lot of autoimmune issues and skin issues. And I was like, I'll sacrifice. I know what happens. If it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Well, I ate it nothing happened. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Ugh. And then about a month later, we traveled to Canada. I was doing some photography work for the tourism board up there. And one of the places that I went to photograph was this woman who was about 85 years old, who had this sourdough bakery in Winnipeg. Her Ugh. starters are like 60 years old, all different types. Oh. And I went to her bakery, and of course, I was going to break bread with her. How was I going to say no? And I was like, here's another chance for me to try it again. And again, no issues. So I was like, you know what? I am doing this. I am going to start making my own. And so I spent time just researching the process because there's a lot to it. And in January of that year, I acquired a starter um from someone, and I started baking. <laughs> Hold on.
3: Hold Hold on right there. I love the way you said that I acquired a starter from someone. Yep. Like it was like past few in the middle of the night. Like yeah. I got a starter. It's, I can't afraid. name it the person. It's like measured
0: in grams, which it yes. is. She's a
2: friend in Brooklyn and she sent it to me dehydrated. Of course it came from Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Amanda. <laughs> and she had gotten it from a from someone in Australia. And so this starter has like such oh. strong roots around the world. It's incredible. And That's it's so, cool. so great. Yeah. And, um, so over those three years, you know, I just kept b- baking. And then as quarantine hit, I saw people like just really also embracing it. And I had thought it was great, you know, these past couple of years, but like I was like, man, I really want to share this with people. And I see such a community now forming around this that I just want to hug all these people and take them in and help them and show them how magical sourdough is. And <laughs> I love this. That's kind of what happened. And I mean, you know, you guys all saw the sourdough. I mean, there's even commercials about it. I forget which. There's a there's a <laughs> cell phone carrier who did something. Like they're talking about sourdough in the pandemic. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. But what's been really cool is that people have continued to bake and this sourdough movement has not fallen off. It was not a fad. And I I really think that people, because of what it gives to our homes, what it brings to our homes, Mm -hmm. it's more than just the need of like having bread to eat. It's what it does for our souls.
3: Well, and sourdough has that unique property of needing the starter. And I think for and I did not mean the pun there, so just forgive me. <laughs> but if you can explain to people, I know a little bit, but I think when I first started learning about starters, I found it fascinating, mostly because it was a way for families to pass something down. It was a legacy sort of gift of having a starter. Right. Um, just explain to people, like when you talk about it, it's a 60 year old starter. For people who don't bake bread and for certainly for people who don't know anything about sourdough, they won't know what that means correct
2: yeah so sourdough starter is basically you are taking water and flour and when you mix those together as they sit out and they collect different things from the air and the oxygen around them to create different acids which eat the the things in the flour And then that causes CO2 to form. So that's the gas and that rises as it continues to eat that, which is the power of leavening. And so it's this magical thing of like collecting what's around us, just kind of like you would attribute to what's in the soil, right? Like soil is different Mm -hmm. because what's in the, in the environment. That's how a starter is. And so it's a lot easier to begin sourdough baking if you can acquire a sourdough starter from someone that has been matured and lovingly fed and maintained because it just it has power right and it doesn't have to start on its own so I sell my sourdough starter and I send it to anyone in the world on my website on Heartbeat Kitchen so that people can get started easier and also then and Marjorie
0: that's what I've been telling people because people have asked me how did you do it and I ordered a little packet from a company called Cultures Mm -hmm. for Health, which has some really good products. But it still took me, as Amanda knows, I mean, it took me over a month yeah. to get mine ready to be able to bake, and I had some frustration at the beginning. So everyone who has sent me messages saying, "How did you do your starter?" I say, "Well, here's what I did," and I wouldn't recommend doing <laughs> that. I would just order Amanda's. I probably sold fifty oh, of your starters. I, <laughs> you I mean, and so many. People. I hope that pays you back for all the middle of the night DMs that I was and sending so you because I definitely owed you something.
2: Elizabeth sent me your way, and I'm like, yay! Um, so yeah, it's well, it's crazy because. People People, I'll send it to them and within like two days of them rehydrating it, it will be fully doubling and growing and they can start
3: making bread yeah. within a week. Oh, that's... And so-, so,
0: Marjorie, that's the way to go. And you just have to think of it as it's yeast before there was yeah. yeast. You couldn't always buy yeast in a packet. Right. Right. And so it's the, it's the leavening before there was yeast, but then it's like times a thousand in benefits because it's sitting there fermenting and collecting all these wild yeasts. And then when you add it into your regular flour and it ferments more through the process of baking your bread, it is, it becomes like this superfood. Yes. And that is why Amanda, people like Amanda, who, you know, and when I first met Amanda, you were dealing with terrible autoimmune really, issues. It, Remember when it was it like really bad and you were doing food things and so passionate about it, but then struggling with everything you ate. And I remember feeling so awful about that. And every time we would see you, I would talk to you about how are you doing, yes. and how's it going? And I think that sourdough has something that, I mean, I don't want to like overstate it, but I feel like it just like brought you even more to life. It, yeah, I mean, because it was just able to be so part it of it.
2: It's and it's given me, you know, I think the whole process of, of making it has, it's therapy for me. I mean, yeah. because the process, it's not a quick process, right? I mean, it's something that you mix the starter into your water and flour and start your dough. And your bread is then ready 24 hours later. And and there's different steps in it. It's not complicated steps, but it's this it's this idea of nurturing something and hmm. then having this beautiful wonderful bread that made was made from like three ingredients, flour, water and salt. And it just yes. like blows my mind every single time. I'm like, "What?" And,
3: <laughs> and tell me a little bit about the starter. So you say your starter originated in Australia. Mhm then went to Brooklyn, then came to you in Minnesota, and now you're sending it around the world. Does that starter give your strain of sourdough bread a different taste than a starter from maybe Italy?
2: I don't... It's... It it would change depending on the house that it's in, because mine is only, it's like the seed, right? So right. it's then going to change again once it starts collecting from whoever has it and what's oh, in their house. So no oh, starter so cool. will ever taste, well, you, no bread is ever going to taste the same depending on who makes it. And that's also the thing about, like, oh. what's really cool is, like, the process is always going to be different too because right. um of the differences in humidity and temperature that it's fermenting at and the flour you're using you know there's different things that make it unique
3: to you and your hands okay see that's so cool right there makes yeah. it unique it's to so you cool. and your and hands well talk about and it's best simultaneously to the nest, right there. cool
0: yeah and simultaneously cool and really frustrating because when you're trying to do it, <laughs> it, is. it is not – I mean, I just I am mean, going to be perfectly honest because it took me, Amanda, probably probably seven months to get to a point where I can consistently get a good rise and a good loaf. And now I'm at the point where when I bake something, I, I just – I mean, just in the last two weeks, I said to my husband, I feel comfortable baking two loaves at a time and giving yep. one away without cutting into it and knowing because I, before I was like, I wouldn't know. And I would cut into it. And sometimes I would find this dense, splodgy, uh, just mess. And then the next time it would be great. And it, so there's such a learning curve. And I think that's why I'm so attracted to this as well, because to me, it's a lot like gardening where you can't rush the process. Sometimes you'll try it and it'll work and sometimes it won't. And it's Better than gardening in that you can do it every 24 yes. hours versus like every season. Right. But there is, there is simultaneously this feeling of, feeling like you're in control and feeling like you're sustaining yourself while at the same time surrendering to the fact that you are a minute part of this universe and that things are going to work the way that they want to work does
2: that make sense amanda i mean it's a
0: fascinating dichotomy within those types of activities yes.
2: and you know the funny part for me is like i you know i started baking my trials of baking were like three years ago. Right. So I had all this, like I I baked so many terrible loaves, but that, and, (laughs) and what I forgot was like, that took me a long, long time to get to where I am. And I mean, even three years in, I still bake loaves that I'm like, Oh, that was a dud.
3: Well, shoot, that was Such a dud. <laughs> um,
2: why would, I, would
3: that happen though? Why would that happen? Like, after you sort of ha- for, have the process down. Right.
2: For example, like I might, like one night last week, I forgot to put the dough in the fridge when for the overnight rise and it over fermented and was overflowing oh and was just like, I couldn't, I mean, it was just like this sloppy mess. And I was like, okay, right. like I'm going to make this into focaccia. It's still going to be bread, but like I screwed up. Or there's just, there's just different things. Like I might not, my starter might not have been fed. Like I might've been kind of lax on the feeding. So my sourdough starter yeah. wasn't as powerful, but so many of the questions that came in during quarantine. And even now that I get are like, I just, you know, I baked my first loaf and oh my gosh, it's terrible. And I'm so frustrated. And I'm like, girl, it's your first loaf. Like it's, it's <laughs> edible. It, it came out of the oven. You don't have to feed it to the dog. It's still bread. Like that's a success in my books, you know, great job. Yeah. You made yeah. it through. And I think, especially in our culture, there is this, we know it, we're an instant gratification type of culture. For sure. And people have yep. forgot what it feels like to learn a skill and to go through the growing pains and the learning curves. And they forget that it's actually a really beautiful process. And when you start to understand and you learn yourself, it is the most satisfying thing. That also ends in bread.
3: <laughs> and, I mean, yes. could, could it get any better? Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> she's the best.
0: I
2: know she is
0: preaching the gospel. This is why well, she is my sourdough guru because what she speaks is so true. I mean, I brought a loaf to my nephew's baptism over the weekend. We were able to have a little private service for him for his baptism and I brought it to my sister and that was my gift. I love it. <laughs> and I, and it was, and I wrapped it in a kitchen towel. It came right out of the oh. oven that morning, but don't worry, Amanda. I let it sit for like an hour before I wrapped it up in a towel (laughs) so that it wasn't going to get all gummy inside. I pay attention and I just found a lovely little kitchen. You know, I love kitchen towels. I have a million of them. And so I just found one that was clean in the drawer and wrapped it up. And then I have this red and white little twine that I just tied it with and I just handed it to her and she was so... Happy, and she'd said to me the day before because we had sourdough at Thanksgiving. She said, "I woke up this morning just wanting more sourdough," oh. and I was like, "I can make I this can happen make this for happen. you." And it is, um, it's so true. You know, I think we're in this world of like, if you're not Justin Bieber and and like running the world by the time you're 18, and uh, you know, a YouTube star or a TikTok star with a billion fans at 17, that you think that like. You failed at life. It's so bizarre when the greatest things and the greatest satisfaction and fulfillment come from things that are about the process, Mm -hmm. not just about the end result. And this is an example of that.
3: And I think what's so interesting, Elizabeth, if looking at your personality, one of the things that I find so fascinating about you is that you're such a busy person, but the things that you choose to do with your free time are the things that slow you down. Yes. Yes. They have to slow you down. And then Amanda, I loved yes. what you said about taking the time to understand process and what that brings to us. And I think that, and learning a skill. And I think so many times, I mean, not to get too woo woo about bread, but I do think it's connected in a way that when we're talking about depression or feeling lost or feeling a, a lack of connection, so many times it's because we don't Ourselves do the things that connect us to process and skill and learning yeah. and growing. Yes. And it's really easy just to sit and binge on Netflix or sit and sort of get lost in your own thoughts. But to take yourself out of that, to take yourself into a new world, to discover something, to learn something. I know for myself, my mind is very cruel to me if it's not active, yes. if, yeah. if it's not learning something new, if it's not – pushing itself, it's sort of Caves in on itself. And it, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. I think humans are like that. We need to learn. We need to use our hands. We need to develop skills. If you're bored, that's the beginning of the problem. And so I think that this, when you talk about bread, you're right. It's this wonderful thing where you're learning a new skill. And I've never done sourdough, so I'm actually kind of excited about this. You learn a new skill and it ends with bread. I yes. mean, I, and that's what I always liked about any skill that I learn. I like skills that I get something in the end of it. You yes. know, Liz is a gardener. Yes. I'm taking photography like right now. So I get something when I'm done with it. I get pictures. I get pictures that are prettier than the ones I took four months ago. Yep. But I think that's yeah. a really good message to people. of Even – and I say just bread because I think people don't really understand how elevating it can be. Even if it's just bread, to do that for yourself or – in some ways more importantly to model that for your kids. Yes. Of your board, learn something new. Mm-hmm. Do something new. Yeah. Do something with your hands. I think it's really especially especially now, but always, I think that's super important. I think the There's other,
0: nothing oh, better than hearing my daughter say, "Mama, is that the bread that you make?" That's oh. the I love the bread that you make. Like I want the bread that you make, you know, <laughs> there is something that it, it has been incredible. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it feels so so great. Amanda, I go ahead because I interrupted. No, what I was going <laughs> to
2: say. The other thing that's so wonderful about the process is like feeling. It's okay to fail because every fail of this, you still learn something, right? You learn what your bread looks like when it's overproofed. You learn what the dough feels like if it hasn't been stretched enough. Every time you bake, you're learning something, no matter if it's your best loaf or your worst loaf. And that's something I still am learning every single time that I bake or new tips or different ways of doing things, you know, um, which is such a, which is such a beautiful thing. I think for my mind too, because I, I used to have a very perfectionist, um, type of personality and it's something that I've always worked on. And it's funny because I think people who, I don't know why it is, but a lot of people that have tried sourdough in this quarantine are perfectionists. And so they come to me with these questions. I'm like, Hey, I know how you felt. Just take it down and not. not." Yeah, really. It's just bread. It's just bread. And there's like no (laughs) one way to do this. And I know that's frustrating for you as a perfectionist because you want it to be ABC and you get D as the result. But like, you just gotta, you gotta let it happen.
3: (laughs) Yep. It's that control piece again. True. It's the control piece that you talk about, Elizabeth, the gardening, bread making, all of these things where you are forced as a human to release control. Yes. Yes. And that's the hardest thing for perfectionists is to think that we can't control everything. Yeah.
0: Yes. Because you get more control in the end because you get to control the product and the process and what you're bringing into your home, but you have to release control in order to get there. And isn't that such a great lesson? I mean, that's what we talk about so much on best to the nest, which is living with intention. And then also it's that idea of just when you let go, you get oh, more. Always. When you stop obsessing over getting something is when it comes to you. Yes. I mean, it's the universe. It's the law of the universe. It's the law of attraction. It's all those things. And it, and this is just another really beautiful example of that. And I think it is true, Marjorie, when you talk about modeling that for your children because you think about the memories that you have from your home growing up so often revolve around food. And I remember my mom – I mean, bread was a huge thing. My mom is from Texas, and she always made Southern biscuits for us. And I remember there was a time period when I was in middle school when – and my parents always – were very busy and kind of passed us back and forth with working and um and they my mom when I was in middle school i remember entered into a job share and so she was home a lot more so she was always home on Wednesdays and so on Wednesday mornings before we went to school she would ask us what we wanted for dinner and so we would get to choose like and we would always choose like stuffed cabbage rolls or chicken pot pie. Like I don't, you know, all these things are like her homemade mac and cheese or we would choose the things that we loved. And then a lot of times on Wednesday afternoons, we'd get home from school at like three and she would have homemade biscuits and honey waiting oh. for us. So they'd be just coming out of the oven. And she'd have her Southern biscuits, and she was, like, psycho about not overmixing them. And, like, (laughs) they are crumbly, and they kind of crumbled apart, and she would have butter out and honey out. And we would just sit down and eat that. I know, and those are the memories. I mean, that's when I think about, like... I remember I mean how else do you remember what happened on Wednesdays yeah. as a child? Well I remember that way. because the of the food. I remember because she was home and because of the food. And that's those are the things that I think about so much with my children that I want them to remember. I want them to remember the food. That's I mean cuz that's how they remember me.
2: Yeah. And it's Has so Bernie important. gotten her hands in the dough? Does she? Oh, they love okay. touching the
0: dough. Yes, they're <laughs> always like, "Mama, I want to touch the dough." And I'll give them little yes. pieces of it to kind of play with and touch. And then my timer goes off, and I'm like, "I got to go stretch the dough." <laughs> and then they know, "Mama, stretch the dough." Oh, we get to have the bread, oh, and love they love grilled cheese oh. on sourdough. Is I mean, I made it for them for lunch There's yesterday. Oh, that and sounds delicious. Franklin pulls the he pulls the sandwich apart yeah. and then eats it like open face yeah. style. And then he'll go back. We set it on the counter, and he'll go back to it for an hour. Yeah. Like, just I mean, go back and you get more
2: bites. Having the chickens, so you have the eggs, and egg on sourdough is like my. Now I just need the chickens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need a chickens girl. You're
0: getting them, you know, and, and I am going to return the favor of all the questions that you have about chickens. You can ask me morning, noon and night because of how much um, advice you gave me on sourdough. And people ask too, I think just like the chickens. Just like the garden, the sourdough is such an extension of that. You know, I'm looking up this quote from Julia Child because I've loved this whenever I've seen it and I wanted to make sure I got it right. And she said at one point, how can a nation be called great if its bread tastes like Kleenex? And she's referring...
2: (laughs) <laughs>
3: that's
0: Are you going to spit out your coffee, Amanda?
2: <laughs> I, I actually... Like, that's like, a that, great also, quote. Also, that quote is so timely right now. I mean... So,
0: so good. perfect. It's so true. How can a nation be called great if its bread tastes like Kleenex? And she's oh, absolutely fabulous. right. And she's referring to like the just ridiculous, mm. over-processed nature yeah. of American food and how it tastes like nothing. Right. And so sourdough is to bread just like... Backyard chicken eggs are to commercial eggs, just like a homegrown strawberry is compared to an out of season strawberry shipped in from California that it is, it just, like I always say about my eggs, they just taste more like an egg. A a homegrown strawberry tastes more like a strawberry. Sourdough bread tastes more like bread.
2: And it's one of those things, you'll never go back. Like when I make the sourdough English muffins and like I give them to friends and they're like what? Like this? The, like someone has been tricking me saying that these are English muffins in the store or even like a bakery, right? Like, but they're not naturally leavened. It's just different because the complexity of the flavor and the texture is just like, you can't describe it unless you
3: try it and then you'll never go back. Yes. You know, as you two are talking about this, I'm starving now. I'm so hungry. <laughs> But it goes back to, and Elizabeth, you're going to have to help me with the name of the woman who runs the farm near you, who talked about. Oh yeah, Karen. When we talked
0: about Littlefoot Farm, Karen Weiss. Yep, yeah. When we
3: talked about meat, and she was saying, you know, eat less, just eat better. Yes. I always mm-hmm. that always runs through my mind on any of these conversations is, eat less, just eat better. Yeah. And I think yeah. as Americans, we probably we. I think obviously we know this that we eat more than we should. Yeah. And that when you think about these things and when you talk about like an English muffin that really tastes like an English muffin or bread that really tastes like you're actually eating something. Yes. Like there's there's yeah. there's a there's a flavor profile, there's enjoyment, there's crust, there's it's an experience that I know a lot of times people get frustrated with these conversations and think, oh, all that's so expensive or it's Mm -hmm. too shishy or it's too whatever. It doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. It just, sometimes you just eat less or you make you have more intention in making the bread yourself. Yes. So you have to carve you out time. eat less
0: because it fills yeah. you. Yeah. Because it fills you in your mind and your body and your soul. It's like this is what our cells are craving. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is what we fundamentally are craving is something real and something that connects us to our past. And you're just not going to get that from a mass produced no. piece of no. Wonder Bread. I, I and you're, and you're just
3: not. No. No. Oh, this is so amazing, oh, everybody. It's I, so
0: good. I know. And I feel like we could continue on forever, but I know um we don't have the time, but we will have Amanda back. And I want to just encourage everybody, and Marjorie, you too. Amanda's videos that she makes that are on her blog—it's Heartbeat Kitchen, beat like as in you know very, the vegetable. Very clever. Be- <laughs> I love it. That they are my saving grace because I'm a visual person, and if you can't have somebody in to teach you, I mean, I I will watch Amanda's videos and then rewind them and then watch them again and rewind them, <laughs> and they were so
3: and I do helpful a lot to of me daily still helpful videos to me.
2: on Instagram too. So. On Instagram, yes. I have a lot of videos saved there, and it's at Heartbeat Kitchen again. Um, just because, like, if it's your first time making rye sourdough, like, that dough does not react like something made with all bread flour. And so you can see what the dough is supposed to look like, feel like, at different stages, and, like, not freak out.
3: <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> it is so good, Amanda. We have just loved talking to you. Thank you so much for Thank taking the time. And me. I hope this just... Inspires everybody. I know it's just, you know, we're just talking about bread, but it's so much more than bread. It's always so much more than whatever we're <laughs> yes. talking about. Marjorie, that's the theme of Best of the Nest. That is the theme
3: of Best of the Nest. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts.
0: And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home.